everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to subscribe to our Journey Callaway YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you right there. Ever wondered what a world without Christians would be like? Well, before there was Easter, there was a day when there were no Christians, and we can all learn something helpful from it. Let's get started. Happy Easter. No shocker about what I'm talking about today. I want to explain why the message of Easter matters, and I'll go ahead and give you the short answer. It's because the events of Easter address our deepest fears and our greatest needs. At different times in life, I think it's true for all of us, we wonder, well, is everything going to be good in the future? Is it going to be okay? Will my family be all right? Will everyone stay healthy? We start asking ourselves questions like, does God see what's happening? Does he care? Is he listening to my prayers? Is he paying attention to my life? And Easter addresses all of those questions. Easter gives us hope, and hope is like oxygen for the soul. But the reason we know Easter gives us hope is because we have the benefit of history. Imagine for just a minute that you were one of Jesus' followers living in the first century at the time of his death. When Jesus died, their hope died. The day Jesus died, nobody believed he was the Messiah. Nobody believed he was the Savior of the world. Nobody believed he was God in human flesh. Once Jesus died, there were no Christians because there was no Christ. There was a brokenhearted mother. There were some disillusioned disciples. There were a handful of disappointed followers, but there were no Christians. There were no believers. It was a lights out for their hope and faith. That's why two men, Joseph and Nicodemus, that's why they went to Pilate and they asked for Jesus' body and they put him in Joseph's family tomb and they wrote a uh, two-ton stone over the entrance. And then they went home because as far as they were concerned, it was lights out. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the New Testament authors are very clear. No one was planning to keep the Jesus dream alive or the Jesus movement moving. And why should they? It would have been impossible. Jesus hadn't built this movement on his miracles or his teachings. Jesus had built this movement on his identity, that he was God in human flesh. So if Jesus couldn't keep himself alive, well, they could forget keeping the dream alive. And the main reason people followed Jesus was because of who they thought he was. But Messiahs, they don't end up crucified on Roman crosses. It seemed impossible to all of them that God would allow the long way of Messiah to be executed by the Romans. And now Jesus is dead, he's buried, and clearly they were wrong about who they thought he was. I mean, what do dead people do? Well, they stay dead, don't they? And from all the written accounts, that is clearly what everybody expected Jesus to do, which is why you don't find anyone standing outside the tomb early on the third morning counting down, you know, waiting for him to walk out. You don't even find anybody writing themselves into the story as a true believer. Nobody wrote into these accounts, well, you know, they all lost hope, but not me. I always knew he was coming back. Now, nobody said that. These accounts are so honest. They all lost faith. They all stopped believing. The moment Jesus died, hope died. There were no Christians because there was no Christ. At least until something happened that changed everything. This is why Easter is so relevant, because today we are not celebrating something that was written. We're celebrating something that happened. We celebrate the event that launched the movement that eventually produced the Bible. Now, this is so important to understand. If you get this out of order, Christianity gets really confusing. Your faith becomes fragile. For those of you who are losing or maybe you've lost faith, 
Could be because somebody presented you a version of faith where these things were in the wrong order. See, the Christian faith didn't begin with Genesis. The Christian faith began with the resurrection of Jesus. There were no Christians until after the resurrection. So how do we know the resurrection actually happened? Well, it's not because the Bible tells us so. We didn't have a Bible, at least like you think of it, until 350 years after the resurrection. We know about the resurrection because Matthew told us about it. He was there. He saw it. Mark told us about it. Luke, who was a medical doctor, thoroughly investigated everything. He interviewed numerous eyewitnesses, and then he told us about it. And John, who was there and he saw it all, he told us about it. Peter wrote two letters about it. And then my personal favorite, James, a brother of Jesus, he shows up and he tells us about it. And every time I talk about him, I can't help but ask the question, what would it take for you to convince your brother that you were God? Well, nothing short of a resurrection, right? And so after the resurrection, James finally believes, and eventually he is martyred because he wouldn't stop telling people that his brother rose from the dead. And we also know about the resurrection because of this guy named Paul, who was trying to put the church out of business. He then sees Jesus alive, switches teams, and he writes about it for us. So no, we don't believe in the resurrection because the Bible, some book tells me so. We believe because all these eyewitnesses tell us so. History tells us so. Think about it for just a second. The story of Jesus, it's just not worth telling apart from the resurrection happening. You don't tell a story about a dead guy who claimed to be God. But something did happen, and that's why people couldn't stop telling the story. Peter is a great example. If you know much about his background, you know Peter denied knowing Jesus during Jesus' trial, his arrest and his trial. But a few weeks later, you find Peter boldly telling everybody that he has seen Jesus alive. And he told that incredible story for about 30 years until he was eventually executed at the hands of Nero. But before his execution, Peter's traveling partner, Mark, sat down and he said to Peter, Hey, tell me the story one more time. I want to write it all down so it's not lost. And Peter, who at this point is probably in his 50s, he tells this to Mark. He says, So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of their day, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God. He, he was thinking that Jesus was going to overthrow the Romans and usher in God's kingdom on earth. Well, Peter says he went boldly to Pilate and he asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph, which was highly unusual. So we know Joseph had some influence and some power. And then Peter told Mark, So Joseph bought some linen cloth. He took down the body. He wrapped it in the linen, and he placed it in a tomb cut out of the rock. And then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. And at that moment, it was lights out, over, finished. Hope had died for all of Jesus' followers. Peter says Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. And when the Sabbath was over, in other words, when it was legal and permissible to do so, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and another woman named Salome bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Now, why were they doing that? Well, because they expected Jesus to do what all dead people do. Stay dead, right? Nobody expected nobody at the tomb. If they thought he'd be alive, well, they wouldn't have wasted their money on the burial spices. 
they were coming to do the last acts of burial only because the oncoming Sabbath had rushed everybody when Jesus died and had kept them from getting the job finished. So you could think of it this way. This was like a final act of kindness from these women whose hopes had been crushed. Peter goes on to tell Mark and to tell us very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, these women are on their way to the tomb and they ask each other, well, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? It's like, oh yeah, we forgot to plan for that. How are we going to do this if we can't get somebody to move that stone? But when they get there and they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Peter says, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed, as we all would have been. And this man says, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus and Nazarene who was crucified. Well, he is risen. He's not here. And then he says to these women, see the place where they laid him. In other words, just check it out with your own eyes. Go ahead, come in, take a look. And then he looks at him and says, but go, tell his disciples and tell Peter. Because this man knew Peter, he, he denied Jesus on the day of his death. And he's reeling from it. So he says, you make sure to tell all the guys who abandoned me, but especially Peter. You make sure he knows Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. In other words, he says, ladies, you tell them they don't have to take your word for it. Jesus is going to show them the evidence himself. Now, you may know how the story goes from here. The ladies do exactly what they're told. They run back. They tell the disciples what they saw. Problem is not nobody believes them. John and Peter, they run to the tomb. They walk inside. They see with their own eyes. But even after finding it empty, they don't believe. They walk away confused. Nobody assumes a resurrection has happened. And so they head back to Galilee. And that night everything changes because Jesus shows up as the disciples are eating dinner. He lets them touch his nail-scarred hands. He eats with them. He talks with them. And after they see him, they finally believe. And that day became the last day there were no Christians. So for all of us who follow Jesus but... We still have questions. We still have fears that make us doubt. We wonder if it's really worth it to follow. You know, I think Peter and John and James and Paul would look at us and they would say, hey, your faith, your generosity, your love, your sacrifice, your hope, it is not in vain. It's hard some days to keep following and trusting, but it's worth it. Every bit of it is worth it. And for all of us who have ever wondered if God really hears our prayers, if he really cares, I think they would look at us and say, you just keep right on following Jesus. You can trust everything he said because he rose from the dead. He really is for you. He cares. And for all of you who are unconvinced, you're skeptical, you've got doubts that a resurrection actually happened, you can't understand maybe why if God's so good, you've had so many bad things happen in your life. Well, I think Peter would lean in and he would say to you, I get it. I understand. I wasn't convinced either. I watched him die. I lost all hope. I thought he lied to me. We all thought we'd been fooled. But then something happened that changed everything. Something happened that caused me to risk the rest of my life telling people the story of what I saw and heard and experienced. Something happened that made it worth it to me to lose my life so you would know what happened, so you could know Jesus lives. I think Peter would tell us, when I saw him with my own eyes, it all began to make sense. You know, he kept inviting us to follow him, to stop living for ourselves, to change the direction of our lives. 
He kept saying he had the power to forgive our sins, to bring us into God's family. And in that moment, I finally got it. I realized Jesus had died to show me how much he loved me, and he'd risen again to show me he hadn't lied to me. From that moment on, I knew he was who he claimed to be. So listen, if you wonder why Easter should matter to you, well, here's why. Easter is undeniable evidence that God has done something for you because God really is for you. And you know what he wants for you? Well, he wants you to experience his forgiveness, his grace, to be a part of his family forever. Easter is God's way of saying, come on, let's have a relationship. He wants to walk with you through the rest of this life, and then he wants you to enjoy eternal life, living in a perfect world with him, a world that's free of sin, sorrow, suffering, pain, death, a world where you can experience all the joy that comes from living the life he designed and created you to live. And most of all, God wants a relationship with you that is real and that is personal. And the best news is he's offering it all to you, but he will not force it on you. He loves you way too much to override your free will, so it's your choice. You get to decide. I mean, the gift is there. The offer stands. Jesus has already died. He's already risen again to pay the penalty for all your sins. And if you just aren't sure it's true, all you have to do is look at the empty tomb. Easter proves that you can have hope of a better life again. So, I think I would ask you, have you accepted what Jesus died to offer you? In other words, is he personal to you? I know you're religious to some extent because you're here, right? You, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have some interest. But Jesus didn't die so you could be religious. He died so you could be in a relationship with him. So will you reach out and will you accept the gift he died to offer you? Don't miss what he paid so much to make possible for you. See, you can be confident God is for you. You can be confident God wants to be with you. And I hope this Easter is the Easter when that becomes personal to you and hope comes alive in you. Would you let me pray for you? Father, thanks for loving us enough. You didn't just send a message. You didn't just send a messenger. You came yourself. Thank you for making it crystal clear that we could trust you because you died and rose again. And for those who've never accepted this extraordinary gift of grace and forgiveness, right now in this moment, my prayer and my hope is that this Easter will be the most special Easter they've ever had because they'll accept that. That they'll just tell you they're ready to give you their lives and accept your forgiveness. They're ready to trust what you did in your death and resurrection for them. Thank you for being so personal to us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey Calway app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church, be sure to visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.